This morning's reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothed in tongues of, as, like, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who are living in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders on the sky, in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red, before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Is somebody's phone on? (laughs) That was one of the most creative scripture lessons I've ever seen. Thank you, confirmands. Well done. So I saw on my Facebook feed this morning uh, some images of Pentecost, and I saw one cartoon of the, uh, the, the disciples with tongues of flame on their, resting on their heads, as it says in the scriptures. And there's this kid in the foreground with a stick and a marshmallow. <laughs> and one of the disciples says to the kid, don't you even think about it. <laughs> So the confirmands have been doing a lot of work this year, and good work, and it has been a delight to, for me to work with you and a delight for your teachers to work with you and to discuss faith and to share faith and to explore faith and to explore this mystery that we call God. None of us fully knows who God is, but we all have a different glimpse of God and we all have a different divine spark within us. One of the passages that the confirmands studied was the other bookend of this Pentecost story. 
And it comes from Genesis chapter 11, when the people were trying to explain in almost prehistory how it came to be that there were so many languages in the known world at that time. And this is how they explained why there were so many different languages. They told the story in Genesis 11 of people building a tower. It was what some call a ziggurat. It was a tower that kept going higher and more narrow. And the people then were, were really getting so excited about this tower because they kind of felt, well, you know, we're almost as good as God, and the higher we build this, the more godlike we'll become, and we might be so accomplished in building this tower, we may not even need God because look at our accomplishments. And the scriptures said that their pridefulness was becoming a hindrance to them, and so God confused their languages, or confused their language into different languages so that they couldn't communicate with one another. And then they spread to the far, far corners of the earth, and uh, that was the explanation of why there were so many languages. Maybe, or maybe that was the person's writing that scripture's perception of why God did that. Maybe God said, you know, they're quite accomplished now. They're ready for their next challenge. We need them to be able to get over language barriers and see how they do because they're ready. Well, history continued and it was always two steps forward, one step back. In the scriptures, it's always two steps forward and one step back. The people of Israel and the people of the scriptures and the people of the early church were always taking two steps forward and one step back. Imperfect journey we get to Pentecost, and it is as if God is saying, now you've tried learning each other's languages. It's something you need help with. And so God sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus described it. the Holy Spirit as the advocate, the comforter, the helper. The Holy Spirit rests on the disciples' heads. They have the ability to speak in different languages and be understood in different languages. And the good news of God's love for all people can finally be more clearly communicated with the help of the Holy Spirit. And overnight, the Christian church became multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual. Do you hear God's desire to create community that is multi-ethnic, multicultural? multilingual. So on our confirmation retreat, we were talking about the languages that are spoken in our world today, and the conversation came around to what language does the next generation speak? We asked the confirmands, what, what language do you speak? And some of them said, you know, we speak with our thumbs. We speak with emojis. Therefore, your bulletins with the translations in it so that old folks like me can understand. Did you see that prayer of confession in the bulletin? Wow, take a look at it. Those emojis. That's some hard work the confirmands are asking us to do. 
Look at all those faces. So the conversation went on, and, 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 and the conference said, you know, as we're creating this service, and by the way, conference, you did a great job in creating this service. We want to have our language of emojis in the bulletin and in the scripture reading. Well done. Whatever language you speak or generations speak coming forward, Christians, it's really important that we speak that language with love. It's really important that we speak that language with humility and compassion because our reputation as Christians out there is, oh yeah, they're judgmental people. And there are judgmental Christians. But the language that transforms the world is the language of love. And we need to be people of love first and foremost, people of compassion, people of humility that can say, you know, Jesus didn't tell us to be right. Jesus told us to love God, to love our neighbor, to forgive often, and to even forgive our enemies. That's the kind of love that can transform the world. There's a story that I heard recently of a Christian in the 12th century named Bernard of Clairvaux. And he was a person of deep faith, deep prayer, formed communities of Christians that were trying to live out the gospel. And his followers said to him, Bernard, please tell us what are the three major things that we need to remember. Just tell us the most important things of the Christian journey, the spiritual life, the mystery of God. How can we discover this? Please tell us the top three things. Bernard thought for a while, and he said this to them and to us. Humility, humility, humility. It was his way of saying there's a lot of mystery in following Christ and a lot of not knowing. Be okay with that not knowing. Be humble about this pilgrimage of trust that we walk together and give each other some slack. In a few moments, confirmands, when you stand here, the confirmation class will say some things. You will make some commitments to following Jesus with this community of faith. And we are grateful because we need you. This community of faith is going to say some things and make a commitment to you, which is really, really quite a profound commitment. One thing they're going to say to you is that they are going to make a commitment to surround you with a community of love and forgiveness. I don't know any other group out there in the world that does that, that makes a commitment to, to surround you with a community of love and forgiveness. I told the confirmands at our retreat, you know, if you ever do something wrong in this church and people get mad at you, you can say to them, hey, you, sir, you promised <laughs> to surround us with a community of love and forgiveness. I, I need to cash that check right now. And then the, conf the, the confirmands are going to be standing here and one at a time, people of faith, we are going to say three things to them 
someday may make sense. Someday, the weight of these words may be discovered. The seeds of blessing may take root. We're going we're going to do the ABCs of what Christians do when we are at our best. We're going to say to the confirmands, we accept you. We bless you. We claim you. Confirmands, you'll have to trust me on this. This is so important that we have people in our lives that say these things to us. People in our lives, adults in our lives that say, we accept you. You know, this is the primary foundation of grace. We're accepted. Not because we've achieved it, not because we're good, but because God is good. And this is one place when you are wondering where you are in this world where you will know you're accepted. We will bless you. Friends, it is so important to receive blessing. We need to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to someone else. And to be claimed. This congregation is going to be claiming you and saying, these ones are ours. We claim you. There will be times in your life where you will feel unclaimed. You may feel forgotten. You may feel alienated, isolated, and lonely. That is part of the human condition. I wish I knew that when I was your age. That is part of what it is to be human. But this Christian community claims you, blesses you, and accepts you. I close with this story, and it has to do with some of you. One very, very cold winter's night in February of 2016, I was coming home from a church meeting. I pulled into the parsonage, got out of the car, was walking to the house. It was cold. It was dark. I just wanted to go inside. And all of a sudden, I saw this young person dart out of the front yard between bushes and take off down the street. I was so shocked. I was so surprised. I think my first reaction was just to say, hey! <laughs> and, and I kind of followed where this kid was running. And then I saw him run down the street and get in the church van. <laughs> and then I knew, oh yes, the, the youth group and the confirmation class were delivering valentines secretly to various people in the congregation. Sending little messages of love, putting it on the door, ringing the doorbell, and taking off. Well, I happened to surprise this kid who was running out from behind my front bushes, and he came back when he knew that I didn't know who he was or what he was doing. He came back and he said, we're delivering some valentines. He shook my hand. I said, oh, good, great, thank you. Go get in the van and warm up. Thank you. What you were doing was a great metaphor for what Christians can do when we are at our best. And that is go into the cold, go into the darkness, and bring light, bring warmth, bring love. The world needs you to do that. God has great plans for you, great hopes for you. Whatever you do, 
Do it with love. Do it with warmth. Do it with joy. And you, my friends, will transform the world. Hmm. Amen.